everybody. It's Chris Campbell, and welcome back to the Food Institute podcast. This week, we're speaking with Prime Root CEO and founder, Kimberly Lay, about how her plant-based company is trying to take a bite out of the deli case. But before we get started, I did want to take a moment to remind you all again of the Plant-Based Insider, our weekly plant-based newsletter. Releasing at 12 Eastern on Tuesdays, this plant-based newsletter is chock full of industry insights, data, news, and more. So you can definitely follow the link in the description of this episode so that you can sign up for that weekly newsletter. So with that out of the way, Kim, welcome to the show. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself so we can get more familiar with you? My name is Kim, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Prime Roots. Um, I come from a, a family of food entrepreneurs, and so food really runs um, in, in my blood and I love food. I love everything about it. Um, when I was going to UC Berkeley for school, I learned how bad animal agriculture was for the planet. Um, and so that thing that we do every single day, three times a day, eat food. Um, and for most people eat meat, um, it was doing so much harm to our planet. So I knew there's a better way. And I, sought out to, to have a solution for everybody, um, especially for meat eaters and flexitarians, um, myself included in that. Um, really just wanted to take matters into my own hand because it's a problem that really can't wait. Yeah, and one of the reasons that I really wanted to jump in here and talk to you about this is that you don't see too many plant-based deli options, especially with the bulk format for deli slicing. So I was wondering if you can give us a little insight on what made you decide to focus on those kinds of deli meats specifically. Uh, I know you have some other products in the lineup that we could talk about a little bit later, but I am wondering a little bit about, you know, the inspiration for that specific product mm-hmm. overall. Absolutely. So deli is is a very humble category. You know, we as Americans, for the most part, so m- more than half of the population eats at least a deli sandwich a day. Uh, and, and so it really is a household you know, item, sandwiches for lunch or, and breakfast too. Um, and, and so it's, it's done every day, multiple times a day. And it's a category that's been overlooked because the existing technologies are using, you know, processed plant proteins just really aren't able to make the same density and textures that are required to have the same experience, i.e. getting the meat sliced, you know, shaved, thick, thin, um, it's almost impossible to do that with conventional plant-based technologies, which have been used for a, a very long time. And so it's it's an area where we really need to think about how to actually build meat from the ground up. Um, and what's the most analogous thing um, in terms of the taste, the texture, the nutrition, which is what our platform um, at Prime Roots really tackles using uh, mycelium, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but really that fundamental ability to create the experience and the textures um, of meat with a, with a unique biology-inspired um, solution is really important to tackling that. So I think people have thought about it, and it is low-hanging fruit in my mind to tackle deli because it's consumed so often. Um, but it's just the existing ways that we make plant-based meats just don't support it. And so we've had to think about the problem from the ground up. I'm very excited about deli personally. Because uh, I grew up going to deli counters, um, I love Black Forest ham, and uh, so our Black Forest ham is also one of my favorites. Um, and I think in terms of the the impact that we make, um, getting more people to swap out, you know, once a day, once a week, or even once a month, 
makes a huge impact um, and, and every step counts, but you also need to have solutions that are empowering to do so. Um, and so I think we've seen a lot of this in alternative dairies where it's so easy to upgrade or swap out for an oat milk or soy milk and almond milk. Um, we want to make it just as simple um, for where your meat occasions occur. So whether that's breakfast sandwich or lunch sandwich, um, it's really easy to swap these uh, these daily occasions. Yeah, and as a New Jersey boy, you know, there's a great deli around every corner around here, it seems, right? So mm-hmm. I think part of that is, you know, there is a ubiquity to it. You know, how many people bring a deli sandwich that they make at home or even get from a food service location and bring it to work, uh, to school, et cetera. So I do think you're right that there is a lot of opportunity here. Um, could you share a little bit about how the experiential aspect of going to a deli impacted your decision making when you decided to found Prime Roots? Yeah, so we want to be able to really replicate the experience through and through of deli. So we thought a lot about that in actually, you know, developing the products. Um, so we make sure that you know the the meat can be browned and cooked. So in a panini. Or if you take um, a ham steak and you want it for dinner, like all of these options are exactly what you would expect and what you're already used to or remember. Um, and so that was really important. And so if you look at our products, it's in the bulk deli set. And so it's like a whole ham that you get that gets put on a slicer and then you can slice it any any thickness you'd like. All of our products are in that whole format. Um, it fits really well into a deli's case. Um, and we want to really, once again, just really empower those choices. And so when you think about deli as a category um, and the value proposition for a meat eater, um, most people know that deli meats aren't the healthiest food out there. Um, if you're talking about the antibiotics or the hormones or more more prominently in deli meats, the, the nitrates, uh, which are known carcinogens. Uh, and so... There's a lot of things going against traditional, like conventional meat, um, deli meats. And so we actually can fix all of those things. So we don't use preservatives. We don't use nitrates. Um, and, you know, compared to plant-based options, today there just are none. And so we definitely want to establish this amazing product that tastes great, that really checks all of the boxes um, in terms of product attributes. So, you know, it's allergen-free, all of those things. We're very proud about checking all of those boxes, and we would love to be you know, delivering on the experience that people know and love, um, and also be the only one doing it. And so we'll become a household name um, in that process. And deli's just the start. We can really create any type of meat or seafood. So yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. And I think part of the thing that we should probably transition to right now is talking a little bit about that koji mycelium, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a type of mushroom. Uh, And when I said, you know, when I reached out originally to do this episode, you know, I really saw two things that were interesting. Number one was that bulk deli retail format, uh, but also the fact that you're using the mycelium. I know that other companies in the plant-based space are using this, but, you know, at the Food Institute, we've really been seeing what we're calling the shroom boom over the last couple of years since the start of the pandemic, because for a lot of the reasons you just brought up, right, you know, taste is fairly comparable and can be made to taste like meat. A lot of health benefits installed when you're using those types of products as the formula, you know, the formulative kind of base for it. So I'm wondering what you could tell us about the Koji Mycelium specifically and maybe some of the rationale behind choosing this product specifically when you decided to go out and make Prime Roots. Yeah. Um, So I guess for those who aren't aware, you know, what is mycelium? It's really it's like the roots of mushrooms. So it's it's not necessarily 
a specific organism or like a specific um, mushroom. It's really just the, the structure. So mycelium raw is very similar to like chicken breast fibers or our mycelium is at least. Uh, there's some variability there. And the unique insight is that mycelium actually identically replicates the, the texture of meat. And so when you look at what animal muscle fiber is in terms of you know, the shape, the size, which results in the mouthfeel when you bite into a, a meat product, um, mycelium is able to identically replicate that. Um, and so for us, koji specifically um, is the type of fungi slash mycelium we use. Um, and the benefits of koji mycelium above all other types of you know, mushrooms, fungi, mycelium, um, is that it naturally replicates the, the base taste of meat, which is umami. Um, and so umami is a very big part of like the, the sensory experience of eating meat. Um, naturally, koji produces um, umami-rich compounds because it's most uh, commonly used in miso and soy sauce. And so if you've had miso or soy sauce, which most people have, um, you've already had koji before. Um, and so our koji um, is special in that, you know, it's not um, it's not attached to soy rice or um, or really made in traditional uh, ways. We really use a traditional organism really for modern uh, for modern times. Um, and so we can have we can it is the first ingredient in all of our products um, and we can really create any type of meat and any type of seafood from that. So when it comes to product formulation, did you explore other mushroom varieties before you settled on this koji mycelium? Was it always going to be mycelium based? Like how did that kind of come about when you were looking through this? What made you decide on that? I know you just gave us a bunch of reasons why it works. I guess I'm more interested in the development aspect. Was it a bunch of different types of mushrooms that you went through? Is this something you had in mind when you started? How did that kind of come about? We definitely started with the end in mind, which is how do you make a better cut of meat? And so you have to touch on taste, so the umami, you have to touch on flavor, uh, something that can be easily turned into something meat-like, uh, so ideally no off flavors. It has to be something that has the right texture, um, so that microscopic texture of meat is really important or the ability to do so. Um, it has to be nutritious, so it has to be high in protein, um, and, and it also has to be, of course, environmentally friendly. So all of those things are really important, so we really I have a background in microbiology, and so I, I like to think about the things you can't see a lot. And so that, you know, for us meant looking at the whole entire landscape of microbes, um, zone, zooming in on, on, on fungi as a kingdom, um, and mycelium more specifically um, as, a, as a way of getting to um, all of those attributes I just mentioned. So it was a, a, pretty, a pretty long process to do this. So I think we took like one to two years to really refine um, and really explore the whole landscape and grew a lot of different things and tried them all and really wanted to check all of those boxes. Um, and so that's how we, we ultimately decided on Koji. And um, Koji was part of our, our initial toolkit because um, I've been growing Koji since I was uh, very, very young. Um, so my mom's a chef. And so we would do a lot of ferments um, at home. And uh, so it was definitely part of the culinary toolkit. And just really being able to bolster off of that history um, and, and just really repurpose Koji for modern, modern times and using modern techniques um, has really enabled us to unlock the, 
the true potential of Koji to make all of these different types of products. And one of those products that I really found interesting was the bacon product. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about this. Is this kind of developed in the same way as those bulk products that need to be sliced? Or is this something kind of separate and more akin to, you know, a package of bacon a consumer would be more familiar with? So we've historically um, you had our bacon in consumer packages where people would try it. And um, that was um, we, we did that for a little bit. Um, and people love the bacon. We got some great feedback from it. It's pretty similar in terms of, you know, how we get to bacon versus deli meats. All the meats have the commonality in that the first ingredient is koji. Um, and we can replicate all different types of tastes, textures, uh, flavor profiles, because a koji really does a lot of the work for us. Um, and so, you know, as we're thinking to the future, you know, what are other products we can make? Um, it the koji really can shape shift quite easily to making all different types of, of products. Um, we also internally have built, you know, core capabilities in, in being able to understand, um, you know, the fat composition and how do you get the fat right in different products and the flavor profiles of different products and doing it all, all naturally, of course, um, is one of our core attributes of our products. Um, and so we've built all of those internal capabilities in house. So, we really do think about ourselves as uh, more or less a, a, a platform um, that can create really the next generation of uh, of meat alternatives that are that really check all of those boxes that are hard to find today. Whether it's you know cost, taste, texture, um, nutrition, we really check all of the boxes. So when I was doing my due diligence for you know this episode, I took a look at your website and I found it really interesting that you spent some time talking about the rebrand that you went over recently. Um, and for a plant-based brand, you really seem to focus your attention on the flexitarian consumer, which you kind of alluded to earlier today. I'm just wondering what was the thinking behind making this shift considering so many plant-based brands really seem to double down on trying to make everybody a vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, I think, you know, how we think about the world is how much impact can we make um, with what we're building. Um, our goal is to feed billions of people um, in the end. And if you think about the, you know, why you would do that, it's really for the impact it has on the planet. And if we swap our products for a, a vegan or vegetarian option, let's say a vegan's having a hummus sandwich for lunch or a tofu sandwich, and swaps for our deli meat sandwich, that actually doesn't make any net positive impact on the planet because the other products are also great in terms of their environmental footprint because it's already, it's already vegan. And so to be able to actually make net impact, we have to think about how do you reduce the meat consumption of people who eat meat. Um, and the way we think that is most effective to do that is by empowering those choices. So you know, or the whole company exists to empower those choices, um, to make it easier to swap, to have a great product to swap to that tastes great, that really just slots so seamlessly into someone's life. Um, and so we, we want to empower those decisions, but we also want to make really what we're building inclusive. So the products are never not going to be vegan. Um, they're going to be vegan friendly. Like, you know, we're not going to add animal inputs into uh, our process, but we really do. And I think I think this is true of the industry. We really do have to work 
to empower meat eaters to either reduce their meat consumption or cut it out as a whole. You know, obviously that is, you know, that would be great for the planet, but that's not realistic given where we are today. Um, as much as I want, you know, them to be uh, for every single meat product, a great alternative that, you know, is exactly the same for price, taste, cost, texture, experience, that's not going to happen overnight. And so that's why we lean really heavily into the flexitarian. So that notion of progress and change um, rather than focusing on people who are already doing really great for the planet. So that's that's really the rationale behind it. And it, sometimes we get flack for it where it's like, well, no, it should be, you know, it should be for vegans. It should be promoting a vegan agenda. Um, for us, we're promoting a lot of different things. A lot of people go vegan or they eat plant-based for a whole variety of reasons. There's no one way. And so um, who are we to be making those judgments calls? Um, what we can do is exist uh, to provide options that align with um, a core set of values that we believe are very important uh, with the planet, planetary health and the, the existence of uh, humanity being pretty high up there. <laughs> I think most people would agree with that. Um, I am kind of interested, though. You did bring up that sometimes you'll get some pushback. Was there a concern that maybe you would kind of alienate your vegetarian and vegan consumer uh, by kind of making this shift? Or did you think that, you know, it was worthwhile to kind of focus on that, you know, roughly, you know, 90 to 95 percent of the population that doesn't identify that way? I think to be clear, we we want we, we like really try to empower meat eaters to swap to our products and try our products and, and learn that, you know, oh my gosh, like if all vegan food was this good, like I could totally be vegan. Like that's the reaction we love to have. Um, and we, we never, I mean, we love the fact that, you know, vegans and vegetarians um, support us. There, you can never please everybody. Um, and what we found is sometimes there's a small group of people that are very vocal um, and while the intentions are great um, and we we respect um, them for the work that they're doing, in our minds, it, sometimes it does get in the way of progress. And so as much as I, I mentioned this, you know, as much as I would love for the whole world to eat a very sustainable um, a diet, it's just not feasible. Um, and but we it does need to happen. Um, and so you can't, you know. Progress is better than no progress, um, and we're doing our part to help. And so it uh, definitely doesn't keep us up at night. Um, we hope we could just convince more people um, that the impact really does come from empowering versus scaring um, or, or making everything seem like it has to be one or the other, like vegan or not vegan. Um, there's a lot of books about like habit formation and habit change. Um, you can't do it all at once. Um, and, you know, we talk about addictions and like quitting smoking. Um, it is super hard to quit cold turkey. And I think the same thing exists for food. Like food is medicine, is a drug. It's it keeps us going and it's very hard to switch uh, your ways. And so we, we try to make it easier. And so that's our part. Yeah, as a guy that quit smoking about five years ago, I can tell you it is not easy. And I think you're right that a lot of the times it is kind of providing these smaller changes that make it a little bit easier to make the shift. And I think Prime Roots is kind of in a great position because like mm -hmm. we talked about earlier, having the deli case, you know, this is a spot where, um, you know, plant-based had really not making had not made as much headway in the deli case compared to frozen, even some parts of the fresh aisle. Right. So very mm -hmm. interesting to see that happening. 
And I'm wondering, you know, since you made this marketing shift and you did the rebrand, have you seen an uptick in sales? Do you see, you know, consumers resonating with the product a little bit more now? How's that dynamic played out? Yeah, we, we see a ton of, uh, we get a ton of people commenting first and foremost, like, oh yeah, like, you know, um, I resonate with that. Like, I didn't realize like there was a term for like how I view the world and how I eat. Um, and we get a lot of comments about that and, and a lot of people saying, oh, wow, like we love how, um, you know, it feels like the products are made for me. And for me, for 95 plus percent of the population is an omnivore diet. Like we have to like, we have to look at the facts, right? Um, and so the fact that there's a product that can resonate with that many people and that large of a percentage means that we will start to see change. Um, and uh, we're very excited to be continuing to scale up our efforts um, and, and really move towards feeding billions of people because the planet needs it. Um, and I, I think that it's uh, a definitely a step in the right direction. And I guess the last thing I'd like to talk about a little bit here, I know you mentioned a few times that, you know, you could replicate any sort of meat or seafood. And I'm wondering, you know, what's next for Prime Roots as we're closing out 2022, looking to 2023? Are there any other product verticals that you're looking at that you would like to try to kind of get involved in? So the deli is a pretty big category. So we're very focused there. There's a lot of additional deli products um, that we could make and are looking at making um over the past uh, five years since we started to build um, at Prime Roots, we've made everything from um, you know seafood products, which is what we actually started out with um, as proof of concept products, and then moving towards um, you know meat products and kind of everything in between. We've done all that. And so right now the it's the time for us to focus on this category and really just help to empower um, you know, the one to two meals a day that we have um, where deli products uh, are very predominant. In. And my last question for you, Kim, is just anybody looking around, uh, want to learn a little bit more about Prime Roots, where should they go? So to learn more about Prime Roots, definitely head to our website. So www.primeroots.com um, or our Instagram. Um, we post lots of fun updates um, on our stories and our posts. Uh, and so, um, yeah. Um, social media, join our email list. We definitely have little uh, sneak, peeks, pe- sneak peeks and tidbits in there, um, which can be found on our website as well. So Kim, I just want to thank you again for sharing the story of Prime Roots. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. Um, it's lovely to be here. So that's going to do it for us this week on the Food Institute podcast. Please remember to follow, like, and share, and take a look at the description of this episode for a sign-up link for the Plant-Based Insider. That's going to be it for us this week. We'll catch you next time. This is Chris Campbell signing off.